Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. All right, everybody, we're back with another episode of the Dr. Dads. I'm here, Dr. Nick Jensen, with my boy, my man, Dr. David Wardy. How you doing, buddy? What's up, brother? How's everybody? Good. And today we've got a very special guest, another dear friend of mine, who I've got a chance to get to know through Kundalini Yoga. And uh, him and I have connected on so many different levels, through parenting, through, through yoga, through just mindset and spirituality. And so... I'm excited to share him on this podcast because he's a wealth of knowledge. So I'm just going to go through his bio here. So uh, his name is Siri Amrit, uh, and his, his full name is Siri Amrit Khalsa. And he was born into a family of Kundalini Yoga teachers. He was raised with Kundalini Yoga as part of his daily life. He spent much time with Yogi Bhajan, who's the, the, the man who brought uh, yoga to the West or Kundalini Yoga to the West through his childhood and shared his strong connection with the master thereafter. He became a certified Kundalini Yoga teacher at 18 years old. Man, that's young. Upon graduation of, from Yogi Bhajan's school, Miripiri Academy in India, he spent an additional two years in India studying the science of sound and mantra with the master teacher, Ustad Narinder Singh Sandhu, and continues to maintain these practices in his daily life. Outside of his yoga practice, he's an outcome-driven leader with experience in organizational management and strategy and in spearheading financial and accounting operations across various organizations internationally as well. He graduated with honors with a BS in uh, business with a focus on accounting and economics. Raised in an entrepreneurial household, Sir Armand has worked in finance and business since he was 13 years old. <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you grow up in a family business. <laughs> <laughs> and has grown from doing bookkeeping, accounting, and lower-level analysis to finance and strategy consulting. He's currently the fractional CFO for Mary Perry Academy in India and Nonix Landscaping in Florida. He's pursuing the Certified Management Accounting designation from the IMA and developing his organizational management skill set through the application of entrepreneurial operating system. And Sir Amit's told me a little bit about what EOS is all about. It sounds fascinating. It's a really uh, advanced way to look and break down business and how to organize things in a very uh, beautiful way that, that serves everybody in the, in the business. So, and lastly, but not least, probably the most important piece, he lives in Vancouver. So he's a neighbor of ours and with his beautiful wife, Nirindu Kaur and his two amazing sons. So welcome to the show, Sir Armin. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank um, you. One of uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to bring you on is because we talk so much about different aspects to healing. We talk about adaptation, using fasting and and um, diet diet variation and detox and so many different things about getting to the root cause. And we want to bring you on for multiple reasons. One is you have your own health journey that you've been through, uh, which we've you've been able to share with me on multiple different uh, occasions. Uh, and you also bring in this amazing technology of yoga through the power, not just of movement, but of sound and what that means for the body. Uh, David, do you want to start off by saying anything? No, I'm just really excited to get to a little bit, know a little bit about his practice. And, you know, he started so early in his life. Yeah. And I really want to see what that's done for his life, you know, big picture and how that's translated 
connected. I mean, we talked on this last episode about all, all this stuff, right? With your retreat. And, you know, he's, this has been part of his lifestyle since the root. And so this is a really unique, I think a really unique situation that not many get to experience, but I would love to hear how that has played out in his life and the positive things that it's brought to every aspect of his life by, by having that practice. And then the whole mantra sound thing, I'm really excited to hear about that. I really want to get into the, those types of teachings that he's learned and, and the benefits that he's experienced with the, using those things daily. All right, so Sir Amit, tell us your story. Well, um, so we've got, I can give you my health time, timeline and story, but that while probably interesting for listeners and, you know, you've helped me a lot with that, Nick, and other doctors as well. I don't know if we want to go into that right now. I can maybe do a brief overview. Yeah, just do a brief um, overview. That's good. So, I mean, I, genetically, celiac runs in the family. Um, we didn't know it. My grandfather ended up being the canary in the coal mine and very quickly we all discovered it. I'd been sick, overweight, prone to injury, broken bones, sprains, had appendicitis when I was a kid, all these problems, no matter who we went to, nobody ever figured it out. Finally, one day figured out we had, I had celiac. Um, at, at that point, I had already almost died from it. I got a blood infection from a root canal that went bad and a few failed attempts to clean out the root. It went bad, got a whole body blood infection, almost died. My mom brought me back from the brink somehow. The whole time's just foggy. I don't even remember it. Yeah. And um, slowly but surely, that was like my crash, celiac crash, as I call it, was about 11 years ago or so. So each year I get healthier, each year I get stronger, each year I get younger. And that's pretty cool. And I kind of had plateaued through all my you know, diet and chiropractic and um, yoga and everything, I'd still kind of plateaued and then uh, really introduced and got real about intermittent fasting. And then I'd, I've done a three-day and a five-day water fast. I haven't worked up the gumption to do another one quite yet, but I'm getting there. But my whole philosophy and approach to food has changed. My unhealthy habits with it have decreased and I've my plateau was kind of crushed and I've, I'm continuing to accelerate my health again. Like I lost a ton of weight. I have more energy, more focus, more clarity, I'm more fit. And um, the fasting has been pretty phenomenal there. So that's kind of the, the summary of it. Um, so that's where my health is at. And I, I've kind of found that um, for my whole life, my health was kind of my weakest link and I'd have my intention. I'd have my energy. I'd have my devotion I'd have my relationships. But whenever my health would falter, which was more often than not, it would be like, you know, sinking sand underneath it, mm -hmm. underneath the rest of my life. And so getting this more stable each year is just allowing my, the rest of my life to grow. So I, I never really realized until recently how much that was the case, hindsight 2020. And so uh, big props to both of you to help people get their foundation set so they can actually be successful in all their areas of their life. Because if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Like it all just falls apart very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, on the outside looking in, it's been amazing just not even just to see you transform physically, but 
just the the challenge everybody goes through when they're when they're learning new pieces you know fasting being one of them and just how that starts to mold and shape different aspects of your life like it's it goes beyond just this physical change it, it really becomes a mindset change is a resilience it's a belief system change about how we've always done things and, and man you've just been soaring with it it's been really cool to see yeah it's cool forever grateful for the inspiration the kick in the butt <laughs> Love <this> right. <laughs> so yeah i mean I, I was born and raised with kundalini yoga and meditation in my house in my home as part of my life my mother is one of the top uh kundalini yoga teacher trainers um in the community all over the world um she, both her and my mother-in-law are like two of the main people and they're helping rewrite the manuals. And so we're definitely in the thick of it always have been. That being said, everything's a choice, you know, at a certain point after being raised with it, I decided it, it like clicked so much that it was like, yeah, I have to do this. I have to live this life. And I, these tools are so incredibly valuable. I can't leave them on the table, but they've all always been on the table. So it, it didn't seem very special to me. Right. Um, specifically with sound, uh, I mean, I don't know how far back we want to go, but like even in even in the womb, like my mother would chant and meditate and like you know recite older kind of mantras and scriptures and chant and meditate with specific practices with me in the womb. And between that and my childhood, and I mean, everybody has a different story, but I just. I've always had this connection to an ability to really feel um, music and sound and specifically mantra and intention within that. And like, I've, ha I've had a really strange and difficult childhood for sure. Like I ended up, another story for another day, but I lived with my parents for the most part for the first um, I was with them full time for the first year of my life. Year two and three, it was about 60 to 70%. Year three onwards, I'd see them periodically. That was it. Isn't that interesting, David? So did you go to a boarding school? I, believe I went to boarding school when I was eight. I went and lived with another family in another city when I was three to eight. And again, another story, another day. I, I feel like it was a blessing. It's what I needed. I wouldn't presume to s dictate that to anybody else and nobody's going to take my kids away, but <laughs> that's what my life was. And I don't know, there is such a, like how I got into really got into sound, I think was longing. It, I learned basically like in the, in the, there's this line that always comes back to me in the scriptures um, of Sikhism. So Brahmgyani is like the, in a state of wisdom and connection with the creator, that person who's in a state of wisdom and connection with the creator, the name or vibration is their support and the name or vibration is their family. Like that's their everything is connecting with that resonance, that vibration. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with on my Walkman as a kid I didn't have rock and roll. I never liked it. I had mantra that I'd listen to and I'd be, you know, on a bus driving through the night in India, all alone, surrounded by a bunch of teenagers. I didn't know missing my family and freaking out. And I'd put this on and I'd listen to it. And, you know, 
after 20, 30 minutes of listening to it, everything calmed down. My, you know, fight or flight response kind of settled down. I got into a parasympathetic state of really chilling. And so somehow I think the separation from my family pushed me into this adaptive state that I had to rely and lean on something for comfort, for connection. And at that time, it wasn't invoking it in myself. It was just listening to it. Mm -hmm. And so listening to intentional, sacred chanting and music. And so uh, throughout my childhood, that kind of happened. Um, and that, all, that was always there. And I'd always, I'd kind of developed this ability to gain that fulfillment or connection if I was miss feeling like I was missing it. I could get it more often than not just through listening to the sacred music. And that was a massive gift. You know, again, it was an adaptation, but that can often be a good thing. So that was that, kind of that's fascinating. I mean, just thinking of how people, you know, develop resiliency. I mean, you, you were exposed to it at such a young age and then, and then found solace and connection and music and sound and, you know, I love that, how you described that you'd listen to mantra while you're, you know, on the bus or feeling alone or what have you. And, yeah, I mean, I remember my first tape was Bon Jovi, right? Like, you would, I would have never known what the word mantra even meant. And so, you know, in this dialogue, hopefully you can just unravel for people who, you know, maybe are hearing that for the first time or sort of have a subtle idea of it. It'd be great to learn more about, like, what is mantra? Right. Well, um... I mean, really quick, mantra would be described as a, a sound current that will invoke a certain state of consciousness within you. So it bypasses the intellect, it bypasses the ego. You don't have to think about it, you don't have to understand it, because sound is a vibration. And, you know, this is a great segue. So here, if you go back to Nick, you probably remember the Japanese scientist's name, study the water molecules. Matsuramoto, yeah. Yeah. So, have you, have you seen his book? Oh, yeah, I've read it. And then yeah. Clarissa just had a client give it to her the other day. I got to flip through it again. Yeah, it's amazing. So, I mean, oh, everything, awesome. everything has a resonance. Everything has a vibration, a frequency. And whether it's a thought or a word or an action, those are just different levels of manifestation. Mm -hmm. Whether the word is spoken or unspoken, those are different levels of manifestation. So mantras can be, you know, if coupled with intention, even without intention, they work, but coupled with intention, they become extremely powerful in, you know, just penetrating directly beyond the mind, beyond the thought process, and actually shifting your state, your emotional state, your vibrational state. And that's, I mean, they're different there are different traditions and different ancient uh, scriptures out there that have that. I mean, you can even in English, you can just say, I am, I am like, that's a mantra right there. And you can just yeah. breathe deep and chant that, or just feel that in, in you and watch it shift you. It will. I mean, that's a very simple example. Um, but that's the case. And I mean, one other little thing with mantra and my own personal experience, and I've read about this as well, is that, kind of the origin of language itself from a yogic perspective, because yoga is all, all about body, mind, breath, spirit, awareness, and the interconnectivity of all of them. And so when you recite certain words or you create certain sounds, vowels and consonants linked together, they 
create a certain vibrational impact in your body. Like if you say brick, that's a very hard stopping sound current. When you say flow, that's a flowing word, right? And that creates, if you, if you were to meditate on those two, come into a state of awareness, and then say one many times and say the other many times, you'd feel a difference in your body. You'd say flow and you would feel that kind of openness and something going out of you because that's what happens when you say brick, it stops. It's hard, it's defined and it's over, it stops. And so the powerful thing I find with mantra is actually sometimes, I mean, I, I love adding the meaning and thinking about that a little bit sometimes too, but that can be its own path to distraction. But if you recite the mantra in a way where you're just feeling what it feels like in your body, like that's pretty cool. Like then you get this other impact, this other level of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that, yeah, that's kind of a little synopsis of mantra. Like that's its own part of the practice within yoga. So for our listeners, real quick, brother, what are some common mantras that you would say are pretty popular that to help people get that shift? Like you say, you know, this is something that you've been doing, I mean, since you were a child. So what are some of your favorites that help kind of help you shift you when you're not in a good place and you're trying to get that, that calming of the sympathetic and get more into a parasympathetic state? What are some of your favorites that you would say that you can say, you know, in English that, that people could recite to get them there? Right. Um, well, I could list off a couple. In general, I find my practice of vibration or resonance as I like to call it kind of sets the state the stage clears the table gets everything clear and so I'm just kind of it, it resets me every day so that's even without mantra and then I'll add the mantra on top of that to get what I feel like I'm missing or to get what's what I'm kind of longing for in my body and in my mind in that day um, so I would more that's more the approach I take is that mantra comes second and most of the mantras I do use are from the Kundalini Yoga and Sikh traditions. Um, from an English perspective, I would say the number one is just I am. Um, um, one thing I'm, I'll sometimes recite to myself is just I am strong, I am good, I am strong, you know, stuff like that. But again, that's, to me, that's secondary. I do find it pretty powerful for people to from just a mantra or like word perspective is write out their own kind of personal um, statement or vision that they can just like when they get into a really deep profound state, write out their like two or three sentences that they, they can tell themselves that if they were their highest teacher or guide or creator sitting inside themselves, what would they tell themselves that would solve everything, heal everything and set them on the straight path forward where they want to go get in that clear space write it out and then have it and then read it to yourself every day till you memorize it and then just say it have it but everybody's unique so everybody's is going to be different yeah. um i i generally because i'm really familiar with a lot of the kundalini yoga and Sikh mantras i will i have an uh, i have an affinity for what feels right for me depending on where i'm at i do have favorites but they're not going to really make sense to the audience today so i don't think we'll go there yes so it's situational i'm sorry yeah. go ahead, brother no i was gonna say this is gonna be something similar to what you're gonna say i'm sure it's this is what 
I love about Kundalini Yoga because it's almost like this technology or this pharmacy of technology that's available to you. So, you know, there's meditations to calm a stressed out heart. There's meditations to awaken the pituitary gland. There's, there's, uh, you know, kriyas, which are like movement, sound, and this all this packaged together to help heal the digestive system. So it's kind of like a prescription, you know, it's in how Siri I'm saying it. And it goes beyond affirmations. Like mantras are, you know, people can relate to affirmations, which, you know, I'm great and I'm strong and courage and, you know, or prayer, you know, that's something would probably be more similar to this. But mantra is really like when you're repeating that mantra, the way I relate to it is it as you repeat it, it in itself becomes a meditation so that you just keep coming back to this. It's like coming back to your breath so that everything else just kind of gets filtered out. And then when you get into that stillness, that place, which I'm sure you're going to talk about, that shunya, that zero point, where basically you start to discover more about your your intention for that day, for yourself, for your life. And that can become your mantra because you're coming from a place of stillness, not from like, a, I want that new car, so I, <laughs> I am the car or whatever. <laughs> You know, you're, you're coming from a place of what, what is, what am I, what's my soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it, what's it calling for? And, and then, and then tapping into that, the energy of that sound and, and, and when, and when, yeah, that's energy of sound and what that meaning of the, those words mean to you. And I like what you said, Sarah, because you said that before you even get there, you prepare yourself. So you prepare you. And when you're talking about resonance, Sarah has got an amazing voice. And when he sings or when he recites mantra, it's like it gets into this vibration, which is what he's talking about, this resonance that, that, uh, that's, that actually like it, you can actually feel it. It's like it penetrates your cells. It's, it's literally like a frequency. It's almost like if you stick your hand in a light socket, you get that, that shock. Or, you know, certain types of music, when they're played and then, the, and then other instruments come in together, you get this resonance buzzing almost sound that the, this is how i understand it anyways and and you feel it inside your body and then so you prepare your body like that and then you drive in the, the mantra i think that's super cool yeah i mean so coming back to really vibration and resonance i mean so first what i do is i do my yoga first because everything exists and every everything we feel everything we retain or not stress emotions everything it's all in our body so we do, I do the yoga first, and that gets everything moving, gets my blood pumping, gets the energy moving in my body. And then from there, then I go into the resonance. And then from there, I add on the mantra on top. Um, and that's kind of the, the sequencing of how I found it works. Because I was born and raised with Kundalini Yoga and meditation. And then I went and studied two years of just like pure resonant experience with that, my master teacher in India. And then I started to realize how much they dovetail together. And so that's what I'm continuing exploring in my own practice. And as I teach is, I mean, they're basically two, two angles or two sides of the same coin, two angles of the same gem. It's like, but when I approach them, when I really combine them intentionally, the, the impact is exponential. Um, so coming back to the resonance portion, cause that's really what I want to focus on today is, I mean, we, we, we've seen this, the study of the water molecules, we've seen cymatics. So you change, you've got the sand particles on the metal plate and you change the frequency 
And depending on the frequency, the, not only will the particles all move around and do different things, which is cool to see, but they'll actually take shape. They'll form with intention, purely by the vibration. That's it. There's no, it, there's no intelligence or intention behind it. You just change the frequency and it changes the matter. And that's what I've found to be the case, is that the more I can change my frequency, literally through resonance, it changes my frequency of emotions and commotions inside me. And then over time, that changes my reality. So it keeps, it, it slowly moves me towards a more, um, a lower stress state, a more parasympathetic state, a lower state of inflammation, a deeper state of peace and contentment and centeredness. And it, I mean, the, con the concept in yoga is that your body is an instrument. And so you've got your lungs, you've got your core, your navel point, where the whole cluster of nerves in your gut, and that's where all the sound originates from. You have the diaphragm moving up and down. The more tight you are, the more tight the sound is. The more relaxed and open you are, the more open the sound is. And you can create sound just from your throat, or you can speak, for, you can, you can speak just from your throat. So I'm going to try and speak just from my throat right now. And my voice changes a little bit, and I'm trying to not make it to, but I'm speaking just from my throat. But if I change it, and I take deeper breaths, and I slow down, and I, I, I draw from deep within, and I feel my words as I say them, I hear them as I say them, suddenly it's a different experience. Because if you think about your speech, it affects everything. Anyone you speak to, they hear you. They hear your communication. We know the science behind communication, right? Where it's like the texting is the worst form of communication on the planet, right? Because it's just the words. And the words are just the very top, the very top layer. Beneath that is the, you know, there's the body language. And then beneath that is actually the intention and the feeling, the coloring, the resonance of the person speaking. So depending on the state of my body that's creating the sound, it will have a different impact on my listeners. But guess what? I'm the one creating the sound, so which body feels and is impacted by the sound the most from my speech? You or me? I would think us, right? I'm even more impacted by my words than you are. Mm -hmm. Because... Okay. You're receiving them, but I'm creating them. So uh, okay. any, every sense. word I say, every sound I create, I'm creating a vibration within my body. Mm. And so that's, that's the power of it is that, you know, everything's always in vibration anyways. You know, you look at the, the, the big bang they're saying is more like the big ohm because it's just as from nothing, there was a vibration. It wasn't an explosion and it's over there was a big vibration that came from nothing and that vibration is continuing. And as that continues, it spreads matter and diffuses it throughout the universe. And so the more of an intentional relationship we can create within our own body around the sounds we create, it shifts things. Um, so what I find in terms of my regular sound practice, like what I do every day, what happens, I mean, it, I feel more connected, more aware, um, who I am, what my day is about, what my year is about, um, coming into a state of action instead of reaction. 
Um, I might wake up tired. I might wake up stressed. I might wake up feeling angry or lonely or worried about something. And so my yoga practice comes first. And then I do a, a resonant chanting kind of practice. And that, again, the yoga kind of sets the stage a little bit to allow shifts to happen. And then I do some resonant chanting. And then everything just calms down. And I can come to a point of clarity. So then I can project what I want that day. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's been so powerful for self-awareness, for... Uh, healing for maintaining a state of relaxation. And then, then the next step of this, where I, another facet of it that I teach about is communication. So we can go into that now, but I want to um, pause. So I just talked a lot. <laughs> so I'd like to hear, did you say you were going to show us a little bit of what that sounds like? For I did the resonance part? I was just, <laughs> I, was, I, love I love it. Contrast of, speaking without my navel versus with my navel like the teacher okay. that if you speak like you're if you put your hand like below your belly button and just just without thinking about it just say a sentence or two do that for me now would you hey how are you my name is david wardy it's nice to meet you great nice to meet you how much did your navel how much did your fingers just move while touching your belly i didn't feel it much at all Okay, that your your voice is coming from up here. Okay. What you really don't want is when people are just kind of squeaking their voice out, right? Like you're speaking from right here, which is great. That's like the heart, the lungs, and everything like that. But the deeper down you go, you want to get to the point where every time you speak, you're feeling movement right there at the belly button or right below the belly button. Because then it play with it you can develop an awareness. And the yogic teaching is that your tongue and your navel are connected directly. And that mm -hmm. when you experience that connection, your words land, they have the impact. So this brings, yeah, I mean, so I've had this so much as a, I had this so much as a kid where I would be, I would try to communicate something, but it wasn't, I had an, I had this intention in my mind and this result happened and there was this huge gap and I'd be like, WTF, what happened? What did I do? You don't, you're not understanding me, but I'm the one shooting the arrow with my words. If it doesn't hit the target, whose responsibility is that? It's mine. And the yogic teaching that I've experienced again and again and again to be true is that my intention, the emotional state and how my body is creating that communication, because they're all, it's two sides of the same coin, but my internal state dictates how my words will be felt and heard. And to the extent that my navel moves and I'm very present and I'm listening to my own words and I'm feeling them and then I'm sharing them, to that extent, it's like magic. My words land, my arrows hit the target more often than not. My ability to communicate suddenly quadruples because we as humans are so sensitive. We make microsecond judgments and assessments about other people without even knowing it. And it's not about the words. It's about how they sound even without their body. I mean, the body language is another whole thing that I'm not an expert on, but there's a whole science to that too. But what I'm getting at is that 
you will unconsciously make an assessment of another person within a few sentences, not just the words. The words will be up here at the conscious level. Subconsciously, you will have a sense of how healthy they are, what their state of emotional being is, and how that could be helpful or hurtful for you. And so to the extent that you can shift that in you, suddenly your ability to have your words land goes whoa. Brother, mind blown right now. This is, oh, this is fascinating. Awesome. So, I mean, you're getting, you're, you're getting on this level right now of quantum physics. You know, Nick talks about this all the time, Dr. Bruce Lipton's work, right? Our thoughts, the frequency, right, for our health at the cellular level. I mean, but what you're talking about right now is just your ability to communicate with others around you effectively. And like you're saying, I think it's, what, 7% of our communication is words, and then they say, I think it's almost 40% comes from our tone. And then the rest, like 50 something is from body language, right? right? So it's so interesting the way you just explain the whole, like, are you hitting your target? Because you're shooting the arrow. And what you're saying is the tone, the state, every, the intention, everything you put behind your words is what actually gets that effective communication. And like you're saying, I don't think many people are aware of how deep that goes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, to potentially overuse the analogy of the arrow, we spend all our time focusing on the arrowheads. You know, it's like our body language is probably the draw or, and then the, the intention, the tone, the emotional states, the shaft. If the shaft's bent or broken, then it doesn't matter the draw and it doesn't matter the arrowhead. Um, I don't want to kill the analogy, but... The point is that, yeah, I mean, the more aware you become of your own inner state, then the more you can share that inner state. Like when you're on a plane and they say they do, they go through the whole thing that we all tune out now because we've done it a million times, but they say when the masks pop down, what do you do? Do you put it on your kid or your friend or your partner first? No, you put it on yourself first because if you can't help yourself, you can't help anyone. If you're in a state of deficiency, and it's just, again, it's the same with health, right? Like if we're not healthy, we can't do other, help other people. If we can't love ourselves, we can't really love others, honestly. And so what this is about is you have to, to me, there's kind of two phases of this communication, like the concept and the application of this communication. I call it the inner alignment and the outer alignment. So as a kid growing up, I'd often find myself in this like, weird state where I felt like I was up here, like above and behind my body in my life. Not really, but you know, I was having this sense. It's like, I'm, I almost feel like I'm looking down at myself. I'd have these moments and I'd be like, well, that's me just chattering away or running around like a little rat in the rat race. But when am I going to actually come down into my vehicle, grab the steering wheel and actually direct my life? When is there that gap going to close so that my conscious intention of what I long for and what I feel and who I am is actually here inside me right now, every day. And there was this gap and slowly but surely, especially, especially through this practice of resonance, I feel like I've been able to shrink that gap. So there's, depending on the day, there's no gap or there's a little bit of a gap, but there's never this giant valley between how I live and who I am truly. 
you know, and so that's the inner alignment. And I find that the re- practice of resonance and chanting and intention, whatever your faith or path may be, if you create an experience of resonance in your own body with your own voice, you begin to close that gap. And then from there is that second external alignment. So when I, when I then project words, communications, arrows to other people in my life, what is the impact? How do they hear it? How do they feel it? Um, there's a book that I saw on a bookshelf one time. That's not what I meant, exclamation mark. And it was like, that was my whole childhood, I felt like, half the time. I'd get in a whole drama because they misunderstood me. And so I like to really reflect on that every day, and especially in important communications is first Put my mask on first, feel myself first, create a state where I feel my voice and I hear my voice and it feels good and I feel good in me and I feel like neutral. And then from there with that intention, not talking a mile a minute, with that intention, I say, okay, what do I want? What do I want them to experience? And I put all of that in my communication. I invoke it in myself and then I share that and it's, it's like the science of communication. I mean, I feel like I'm just, you know, when you're at the beach and you're in a little bay and you're like, well, that's the ocean. No, you like dip in a little bit. Oh, it's a little deeper. You swim out past the edge and suddenly it's a vast ocean. And I feel like I'm just getting in. Like the more, the deeper I go, the more I don't know, the more I realize I don't know crap about this. No, I'm learning enough to realize how big this is and how deep I can go. And so tell you what, this is like amazing information. You, the way you're explaining it is just beautiful. And how, how I see this playing out where I practice this personally is in relationship with my wife because yeah. our wives, all three of us have extremely strong wives. They know when we're not being potent with our words, they know that we're, they know when we're off with our tonality they can, you know, pick it apart from across the room. They know when we're not being authentic and speaking our truth from our navel center, from, you know, a deeper space of, of where we need to project from, right? I mean, I've gotten in trouble so many times when my intention of what I want to say and how it lands, like you said, the arrow, I mean, it's a perfect analogy. And I get bitten back when I don't speak properly, as I should, because it's not coming out the way it's supposed to. Even though in my mind, I'm like, I think this sounds okay. But, I mean, this is such important information, for, especially for men. Like, we, you know, we have an opportunity to really be heard by our women and, and to be supportive and be, to be that container, that rock for them. But if we can't project from our, our authentic self, from congruency, from alignment, I mean, we're going to get ourselves in all sorts of troubles. And communication is essentially what I think the gel that really holds a relationship together. Yeah. So this is important stuff. And that's so interesting that you say that, Nick. I mean, even just last night, Clarissa asked me something and I responded to her and not meaning to come anywhere from just a, Hey, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. But my state was not where it needed to be my consciousness. Right. So that arrow hit in a completely different place than it needed to, man. And she let me know right away, like, she gave me this look, like, 
what did you just say? You know, and it's kind of like I'm listening to him talk right now and you right now. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so true. So, you know, people, I think, are so unaware of the layers that you just laid out for them about how important it is to be impeccable with your word, but then even to go past that into your intention, your emotional state, right? Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? I mean, no, I mean, you're be impeccable with your arrowhead, but be impeccable with the rest of it too. And to you take responsibility for all of it because all of it comes out and all of it's felt. And I mean, it, it's funny, like, okay, as humans, we have unique fingerprints, right? Nobody else has that fingerprint. Our retinas are unique, but our fingerprints and our retinas are fixed, right? They don't change and barring some sort of injury. Um, as far as I know, you guys are the doctors. <laughs> um, your voice is also unique, but here's the thing is your voice is never the same. Mm. One hour from now, your voice will be different. Two days from now, your voice will be different. 10 years from now, it'll be very different. So your voice is the complete expression of who you are, not, not from a fixed point, but from a variable point Can, uh, of all facets, all realms, all subtleties. You know, if you're, if you're ate a big meal and you're doing this big digestive process and it's kind of intense and you might feel a little bit of acid reflux or something like that, that's in your voice. You didn't sleep well, that's in your voice. Um, all of these things are reflected in the way your voice is felt and heard. So when people talk, you can usually hear consciously or otherwise how healthy they are, how happy they are, um, if they're in a state of fear or not. Uh, all of this stuff is reflected there. And if we want our communication to go well, whether it's in our partnership or in our career or with our kids or with everything, the more we can come from, we can see the whole picture, not just the arrowhead, not just the top 10%, but if we can feel the whole thing, it has mass implications to just transform everything. And I mean, I, again, this is, this is a universal kind of science of being human. The, what we can do with our voices, no other creature on the planet can do. We can be so subtle and sophisticated and create such an impact with it. And, you know, my, my understanding or my doorway to going into this realm or this concept is through Kundalini Yoga and through my study in India, which was Hindustani classical music. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a human condition. It's not specific to this path. So I have my angle of approaching it and experiencing it. And the more I learn, the more I want to share. And the more I share, the more I learn. I'm sure you guys feel that as doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to state for any listeners out there that this, whatever, you know, it's not necessarily come to Kundalini Yoga. You can. That's what works for me. But there's a lot of different ways to approach this. Thank you for saying that, Sarah. I mean, that's so important because when people even just hear the word mantra, they may be like, you know, that, that's not for me. That doesn't make sense. I, don't, I can't relate or whatever, right? But the way that you, you know, talked about your journey with it, how it's impacted your health, the science of it, the somatics, the messages in water from Dr. Murasaramoto and what happens with different just emotional states and how that can affect our, our body's water and the, the frequency and vibration. 
I mean, to, to how you're speaking about communication. I mean, it's so, it was really, really helpful, I think, for listeners to, to hear this story and this progression. And, and I think it's, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways we can talk about this. Um, I mean, obviously, we could keep going because it's such an interesting topic. But we, we usually leave our listeners with some, some home play. And I think that you brought up some really cool ones. And I think one of the best ones for me, David, please jump in too. But it was just, yeah, put your hand on your belly and see if you are speaking. I'm, I got my hand on my belly right now. <laughs> if you can actually feel that vibration down in your navel center, which is just around that lower, like that, your belly button. And start practicing, practicing that and, and, you know, reflect on what was said here with regards to can you match your intention with, with the target? with where you want to direct that intention and the best place to practice that is with your partner. So I think there's some amazing tools. And, uh, and Sermit, before I forget, you, you've recently started a Facebook group so people can learn, learn more about um, Nod Yoga and, and, this, and this Science of Sound yeah. and how to apply this into your life. And um, so teach it, sorry, one, one last bit here. He teaches uh, every year at Kundalini Yoga Men's Camp. If that's your, if that's your, you know, jive, uh, come check it out. It's every summer, and here in Vancouver, some surrounding area. And then he also teaches regularly uh, yoga at uh, Yoga West in Vancouver as well. So there's many different ways to access some of this information, and you also do workshops at Yoga West too at various points of the year. So yeah. there's lots of ways to understand more about this if it's if it's jiving for you. And and like Sirama said, it doesn't have to be the only way, but this is his way that he profoundly uh, can teach so well. Yeah, this is the way that clicks for me. Find yours. But um, in terms of home play, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Home play, I would say, yeah, practice and you can even do it alone like again the sound of your voice is the most healing thing in the science of ayurveda the indian healing system they say chanting of all the medicines and all the practices you can do your own voice can heal you more than anything that's their teaching and it's thousands of years old um but put your hand on your belly maybe put your other hand on your heart try and have it be so that when you speak you can feel a little bit of movement or resonance on both hands and then listen, your ears are funnels. Imagine that and imagine like the, you know, like a satellite dish receives the signal and bounces it, whatever your visualization is, receive the sound in so you actually hear it. So there are practices too where you record yourself and then you listen to yourself speak back. But anyways, feel it and listen to it and slow it down and make it real, make it authentic and um, see where it goes, see what happens. And would you add any other layers to that? I mean, would you give the listeners maybe get into intention and in a in a conscious state with all that as well to help them start practicing to go deeper? Yeah, I mean, the the more you can kind of clear the clutter, so to speak, first, whether you know through breath and through movement, whether it's yoga or stretching or jogging or whatever it is, but more parasympathetic than cardio so to speak, you know, you got to get a little bit of heart rate going, but clear this, clear the clutter so that you're, you cannot be feeling your aches and pains and tightness. And so you can just feel your body and then work with your breath. So your mind's not chattering because it's the mind that it's the breath that controls the mind. You want to control your mind, you control your breath first. And so you work with your body to clear the space 
you do some intentional breath work, you get your breath going nice and still. And then from there, that's kind of setting the stage, clearing the clutter, and then have some sort of experiment with, um, come to Yoga West, look it up online, find your own spiritual practice, whatever, not spiritual, it doesn't have to be spiritual whatsoever. Just do this, do a little bit of yoga, a little bit of breathing, do this, and then just say your affirmations very slowly. And just maybe state your name. Say, I love myself, or I love Siddhi Amrikalsa. Whatever it is, just allow yourself to feel it. Allow your hands to move. Allow, your, allow it to be that your words, again, there's not this gap between you and your words out here. You're not throwing them out and seeing what sticks. They're a full representation of you. So let your words be one with you as you speak them. And that can sound a little cheesy, but it's actually true. You know, like when we eat food, we have to turn the food into us. Otherwise, it's toxic, right? You have to break it down to be you. Same thing, but reverse. When you want your words to go out, when they're not you, then you're not trustworthy. Then you don't have impact. But when your words are you, when they go out, they heal, they uplift, they transform, they change your world. So make your words be you. Amazing, brother. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. This was awesome. This was truly, truly amazing. And like I said, we, like Nick's saying, we could probably talk for hours. I just want more. Yeah, I'm a total nerd with this stuff. I can talk. Oh, about. this is great, man. This David, that's why we want you to come in men's camp in the summer, buddy. We'll have to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> July this year. Um, awesome. And the, the Facebook group. So I just have a Facebook group that I use to... Um, just to get a little bit of discussions going, share some thoughts on this. I don't post as often as I can because I'm still working on engineering my life to spend more time on this topic. Um, but it's the Nod Yoga Practice Group, N-A-A-D. Nod, that's the Indian word for sound and vibration. So the yoga of sound, Nod Yoga Practice Group. And that's it. Just come on board. I've got a few things posted up there for regular and then we'll just have discussions and post little things. But otherwise, thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Love talking about this topic. It shows, and you're you're very very fluent with uh, with speaking on it and passionate, which we love. So that's it, everybody, for the sound and mantra episode. Uh, it's been such a pleasure talking with you, Sir Emirates and David. Always a pleasure to see you, buddy. Uh, we've got more down the pipeline in sound therapy in a few weeks we're going to be interviewing an amazing doc who's got some cool devices that we're going to dive into more so uh, stay tuned for more please uh, share these episodes with your friends anyone who you feel like could, could uh, be impacted by the information we've shared here and we look forward to the next one so all the best to you guys we'll talk to you soon awesome thanks guys Take care. be well Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.